Welcome to It's All Fine and Dangy, where we talk about community, health, culture, and all of the big and little things that make life good. Here are your hosts, Dan and Angie. Hi, guys. Welcome to episode number 21, lucky number 21. Is 21 lucky? I think that's a lucky number. You're right. What's well, lucky now? Yeah. So this and that. This Let's and do that. this. What's up? Well, um, I'm tired. I hate to admit it. <laughs> we're always tired. Uh, we're supposed yeah. to be peppy and yeah. this and that over coffee. We don't even have coffee. I need to go to sleep after this. That's why. I know, me too. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling just a little stressed. You know, I don't get stressed too often. But Are you? I didn't know that before we started See, recording. you can't even tell. Um, All right, guys, we're going to talk real fast and wrap this one yeah, up. La, la, la. Yeah, that's it. Um <laughs> No, so feeling a little stressed just because I do have my final project, my presentation for graduation coming up. Your capstone. My capstone. So a little bit of pressure, but it's okay. It's coming, you know, it's coming along good. I've been at the up, leaving the house, going up to the school, even though I don't have to be there to yep. concentrate. I, I totally cannot. get that. As soon as I got home today, my brain does not function in the house yeah. when it comes to schoolwork. I got some done, but not... Just not enough. So I can I can understand. I can I work have to get out of here, man. <laughs> I get it. I can work here, I, but I struggle writing here. Yeah, you know? and the other thing is at nighttime. I I already know if it's past a certain time, it's not going to happen. I'm yeah. just not one of those stay up all night. There's no quality that comes right. out of me at that time of night. Indeed, mommy needs sleepy. <laughs> I'm with you. But I did want to mention though, at our school, the school that I attend, it's Everglades University up in Maitland. And they're doing this coming Saturday, the 17th, they are doing like an open house and a mini health fair. And I wish I could be there, but we will be out of town recording with another guest. That's right. I missed this this time, but it's a cool little event that they're doing from 10 to 1. They're um, collecting some donations for a local elementary school for like a school supply drive. They're going to have some on-site activities such as... Um, getting your blood pressure checked, weight and height checks, uh, blood type, glucose ratings, things like that. Um, there will be a bunch of alternative med exhibits. And then you can also um, kind of ask them questions about the different programs that they offer there. Because they have oh, things like awesome. aviation there and yeah. um, construction management. So they have some things that are a little different than most schools have. So check it out. Everglades University. 10 to 1, this Saturday the 17th. We'll put a link on the show notes. Indeed we will. And on the website. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. I told him I'd help him out, shouting that out for him. And what else have I been doing? So I've been working on perfecting an avocado brownie recipe. Yes, I tried that, actually. It was pretty good. It was good. It it had a little bit too much of ghee in there, is what I used instead of butter. Right. Anybody knows what ghee is. So I'm, I'm working out... The ratios there with some different types of flour and stuff in case people have allergies to one, I can substitute it with another. But, you know, trying to fit that in, getting the perfecting the avocado recipe, but it's so good. Avocado brownie recipe. Once I perfect it, I will put it on my website, foreverinhealth.com, and we'll put a link in one of the shows. I'll tell everybody when I perfected it. Right. And I, you know what? I, <laughs> and I, you'll tell everybody when I perfected it. <laughs> and you know, I hate to be like somebody made you something. That's why I was so apprehensive to say it was pretty good. I think for me, it tasted really good. It was just the, um, 
you know me, I'm weird about consistency. It was very dense. It was yeah. it was too oily. So plus, if you don't tell me it's an avocado brownie, I'm probably going to like it better. Stop! I hate that. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Just eat it. If it's good, it's good. You know um, how many people are like that, though? Yeah, I know. I That's just, how you're going to... Yeah. You have to trick people and just say healthy brownie. Well, yeah, when I... Because for my capstone, you know, I'm doing like a whole table that's like information station, basically. It's going to be brochures that people can take home that right. are like useful tips and just some information on health and wellness. Yeah. And diet, of course. And um, I'm bringing some healthy snacks so people can see that. It tastes good to eat healthy, and it's really not that hard. I'm going to even um, print recipes out so that people can actually take it home and try it. Awesome. Sounds yeah. great. I and still don't think you should call them avocado brownies, though. <laughs> okay, I'll call, you'll have to help me come up with a cute just name. Call, just call them, like, healthy brownies. You can eat healthy or something, because I would be, like... Yeah, but I like catchy little names. You know how oh, I come up yeah, with stuff, you're like, good at that. Sea of Cruciferous and, you know, all that, these different names I come up with. The No Frowny Brownie? Oh, snap. Somebody's just writing that, that down was right now. amazing. The No Frowny Brownie. I love it. That's it. That's Goodness. the name of it. It's stolen already. Yep. Low Frowny Brownie. Oh, no. I've already messed it up. Low, no Frowny Brownie. No NoFrownyBrownie.com is being purchased right now by one of our <laughs> listeners. That's awesome. Well, they can have my recipe on there. There you go. There you go. And last weekend, last Saturday, we were busy. We had a busy weekend. Saturday, we, did. we were booked with interviews. We were. It pretty took much the whole, whole day. day. That's right. I know. It was fun, though. It was fun. Very busy. And then we did something Sunday. Yeah, we did Rachel's final performance of the fairy tale Misfits, which was really, really funny. And there was a lot of laughs. There really they switched were. some things up. And that, it well, was, that's what I, was I started to say. Up. That's what I started to say. At the end of most plays, the very last run of the play, the actors usually ham it up a little, usually not too much because the director will start getting uh-huh. upset. But they did that. They did some unexpected things. It they changed great. a couple of lines. It was really good. Yeah. And everybody was very comfortable. I mean, it's the show has been great all the way through, but it was a really good flow at the end. So you know what it showed me? I've been going to several of these mm-hmm. uh, yeah. showings of the fairytale misfits, but uh, it showed me that if you're only going to go to one, the last one's probably the best one. So. Yeah, because they have all the practice in. They got their lines down pat. Yep, they know how to, to just, kind of overcome obstacles. Yeah, and starting to really have fun. But um, getting to, you know, I'm glad Rachel had the opportunity. She went to the after party. She's made yeah. social media friends with all the actors. I've made friends with some of the actors. Just a really cool bunch. And uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot yeah. of laughs. Though. I look You're forward right. to the next one that she does. I do too. I really do. Um, then we hit the bike trail. Yes. That was fun too. We did 10 miles, didn't we? Yeah. So we didn't kill ourselves because yeah. guys, we haven't been out in we a while. We haven't been out in we a while. We are hermits lately. We've been recording podcasts. I really cannot wait till school's done. I really can't. I, I am looking forward to... Kayaking. Kayaking. Camping. And biking. Biking. And getting outside I on know. the weekends. And I love that we do our podcast on the weekend, but we on weekends, but we are going to start Cranking like yeah. three of those in a day or so. Sure, sure. And you know, we, we may integrate that too. You never know. We may do one out there camping or kayaking or whatever. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about doing that. I think it'd be neat to do one going down the river. 
But yeah, we hit the bike trail. We did about 10 miles. You were kind of easing back into it because we haven't had time to go do it in a mm-hmm. while. Um, it was cool though. I bought a new GoPro. The worst time to buy one because there's a new one coming out next month, I think. Um, but I sold some of my old cameras. I'm always into kind of, you know me, I like to do the wheeling and dealing to where I don't Uh really pay anything for the new thing. Yeah. Or very Um, little. Yeah. So having said that, it's very impressive. We went and filmed on the bike. I have been building these, Angie could tell you guys this, it's (laughs) hilarious, but I have been MacGyvering these sort of selfie stick monopod poles and taking the screws out and putting these other parts in. So now they lock into our kayaks. But we do need one more GoPro. Yeah. So I figured what I would do is when the new one comes out, I'll buy that one. And then we'll have two. And then we'll have one in each kayak. So, so you can actually be on some videos now when we're kayaking. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Seems um, to be a lot of my back on the kayak I know, when we're going. I know. Which is cool. It but is cool. I like to see you, that you are there well, too. Well, we can That's do nice. that now too. Or, you know, once I get the other yeah. camera. But uh, anyway, the new GoPro is very neat. It's got like a built-in stabilizer. So... You don't need uh, any kind of fancy equipment. You can go biking or running, and the, and the footage is perfectly smooth. So and that's you did been a really, really fun. cool video of that. You should post that on the. Oh, I could. You yeah, should I post did. that. Yeah, because that'd be cool if people are interested in maybe purchasing one yeah. of those things and yeah. are a little intimidated by it. Sure, they can actually see what it does, and it's very easy to use. It really is, and that's a good point. So, and I did tons of research, probably to the point to being borderline insane <laughs> amount of videos and research I did. <laughs> Um, Always but, with the research. I know. But there's a feature in the new GoPro called Time Warp where it will do a really high speed, t- what's kind of like a time lapse, but a time lapse is really just a bunch of pictures stuck together. Mm-hmm. This is actually a video that is running at 30 times the speed or whatever it is, and it's it's stabilized, so it's really smooth. It's very hard to explain, but when you see a video or one of these sort of time warp videos, you're like, whoa, that is trippy. So yeah. I'll post it on the uh, in the show notes if you're interested. It's near the end of the video where we start doing the time warp stuff. And kind of related, as I was doing some of this research, I discovered something called Facebook groups. Now, we all know what those are, yeah. and we've always been members of a couple of them. But it just dawned on me, I wonder if there's a Facebook group about this GoPro camera. There is. I wonder if there's a Facebook group about the camera I already have. There, there is. is. The one I was looking to get. There is. Kayaking in Florida. And on and on there and on. There basically is a group for everything. Right. So now I'm like members of the bicycle group in Florida and the kayaking group. And it's been so cool because people are like saying, go do this river and go do that river and try this camera. And here's some. Here's a video clip I did of a kayak trip. And I love it because oh, it's like- cool. Now we can look at videos and kind of decide where we want to go because there's a lack of that stuff. If you are trying to find a a river to go kayaking in Florida, a lot of the sites don't really have much in the way of pictures. No, they tell you, you know, how far it is from point A to point B, but they don't actually give you pictures down the river and how clear it is and, and, you know... Where does the murky part start? Because exactly. I always like to know how much of that clear area we get. Sure. You and you know? can ask all kinds of questions on those sites like, um, you know, can you bring your, can you bring paper products? Can you, yep. um, 
Is it difficult if you're like a new, we're not new kayakers, so it's funny to me because I see some of them where people are like, it's quite difficult, and I'm like, it's really not. And I don't think it's us. I think people yeah. are just panicked when about brand, some, or yeah. little, maybe like, they have little kids or something. Yeah, like the rapids. Right, like the rapids, rapids and juniper. People yeah. freak out in Florida. <laughs> right, exactly. like, what the heck? <laughs> but anyway, I'm having a lot of fun um, cool. learning from other people, helping other people, and watching footage that other people have, both of their trips and just using their new GoPro. So that's been a lot of fun for me, and uh, awesome. I've squeezed squeeze that in between all the other things that are going on, uh-huh. all the work. Work is really picking up for me. I'm getting ready to travel to Houston again, to Chicago, to Vegas, possibly to Quebec, all mm-hmm. within the next few months. So yeah. uh, it's going to be pretty wild, pretty it wild is. trip. But I think that is pretty much all that's going on for me. And I think that's really all that's going on for our this and that today. So... We did want to ask you to stay because we have a really cool guest this week. This is, again, another one of our Meet the Teachers or Month of Teachers. I keep saying Meet the Teachers. I forgot to announce that at the beginning. That's yes, totally hashtag cool. Month of Teachers. But I say Meet the Teachers because I'm so used to yeah, doing that throughout uh-huh. the kids' lives. But we, for this week's interview, we had a really cool high school teacher. I don't want to go too far into it, but I really think you should hang out and listen to the rest of it. And we'll be right back after this break. Hey guys, welcome back. And now it's time for our community call out. And I also want to welcome you back to our month of teachers. Last week we met with Angel Foster, an elementary school teacher, but today we're on the other end of things and we're meeting with a teacher that's helping to prepare our young kids for life beyond high school. She's a high school history teacher and we're excited to hear all about the challenges of teaching young adults today. So please welcome Kristen Rogers. Thanks for sitting down with us. Kristen. Yes, thank you. So, Thank you for coming out early this morning. Oh, yeah, no yeah. problem. I guess it's kind of early still, yeah. 10, 10 o'clock or so. I had to be at work at 7, so oh, this wasn't so this bad is late. On Saturday? No, no, not on, just oh, during, during the, the week. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, like, an, yeah, that's, that's, an, that's asking a lot of our teachers. <laughs> you can't drift in late when you're a teacher, that's no. for sure. So before we get into all the teacher stuff, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe what you did over the summer break? Uh, yeah, sure. So... I grew up in Florida. I went to UCF. I got a bachelor's degree in history. Um, and I obviously stayed in the area, started teaching for Lake County Schools. Um, and over the summer, I actually work for the college board. Um, so I'm an AP history teacher. I teach AP world history and AP US history. Nice. Oh, cool. Yeah. And um, they have me grade. So every summer, um, I went to Salt Lake City for two years, uh, and last year, this summer, we were in Kansas City in Missouri, um, and I graded the AP World History exam. Uh, I, they have different requirements, different writing requirements, and so I graded one of the essays. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's a really cool. So, so you really are a history nerd. I'm, yeah, I have a master's actually in um, ancient and classical history that focused on European history, pretty much from Greece all the way up until... Um, until about the Enlightenment time period. So wow. I wrote a master's on my master or my thesis for my master's was on um, like humanist education and how it affected females and Tudor England. So, wow. yeah, I'm a huge I've since a child. Like I remember talking to my grandma about like what life was like when she was a kid in the 40s and 
what life was like for my grandpa. So I've always been interested. So you were interested at an early age. Very. I didn't know. But yeah, I actually was a pre-med major for about three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I took a history is required for a general. Don't know why, but yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I I took a history class and I just remember um, his name was Dr. Greenhall. And I just remember thinking like, I want to be that guy when I grow up. And against advice from every person I know, I changed my major to history and uh, spent another year and a half at UCF uh, changing. Yeah. To get a history degree. So you're definitely doing what you're passionate about. Yes. Yeah. I, he was amazing. Like just the love that he had and the knowledge and, um, the views he had and understanding why we are who we are today and where that comes from is just absolutely amazing. So I just, like, I remember telling my husband at the time, I'm like, I, think I'm going to be a history degree and be a history. And you were going to be a doctor. Everybody's like, don't change that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was going towards like a nurse practitioner degree, but yeah. Okay. And my husband's like, are you sure? That's great though. When I love it when people chase like that, their passion. That yeah. You, is something sparks in you when you're like, I could do that and be happy doing it. Right? And, I, and I loved it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I enjoyed science, obviously, and, and people and being around people. And I knew I always wanted to be around people. I, I find them fascinating. And uh, but there was just something like I'm like, I love history as much as that guy. And oh, cool. I want to be like him. That's great. I love that. I yeah. see my philosophy is that and I tell my kids this, that you know, don't go after the job. This is not very common, I think, with parenting. Maybe it is these days, but don't go after the job for money. Don't go after the job that's going to make it. To me, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're into, I told my son this the other day, if you just like digging holes, go after a job where you're digging holes. So that, I mean, that's, that's to me, when you chase your passion, you can do no wrong. Yeah. And, I, and you're probably really good at it because you love it so much. I do. I like, I do. And I, and the kids know it and I'll have kids like, you know, that I'll get, so I teach 10th grade. I, I was teach, just going to ask. Yeah. yeah. I teach 10th graders. So I teach AP world to 10th grade. And then I teach, um, AP us history to 11th graders. Wow. And then I teach, um, so I'm also employed through Lake Sumter and I teach dual enrollment on our campus and I teach humanities. Um, and then I teach two introductory courses for like career planning and study skills like that. Um, so I actually see the same, uh, the same cohort of kids for 10th, 11th and 12th grade. Oh, wow. that's cool. Yeah. And I'll get a lot of kids that come in as 10th graders and are like, man, you know, history stinks. I don't want to remember. That's, that's how I felt. Yeah. I was in high school. I'm but not I, bet lie. You, I bet you make it fun because you like it so much. I do. I do. I, I, I love it. And, and they'll come back. Like, I'm like, I'll get them in 11. And when it's an AP course, that's an election. Like you're electing to take a, sure. a course that's yeah. challenging. I was going to ask if you found that the AP students are more into learning about the actual history instead of just taking a class. Um, I would say it would depend on the grade level. So in ninth and 10th grade, the school system, and I know you know about school grades and all that, mm-hmm. and there's all these different factors that go into it. So one of the things that help the schools is the number of kids in advanced courses. And so at a, at, especially at the two lower levels at ninth and 10th grade, um, there's a big like mass shove to, to take those classes to yes. yeah. to try to get kids to do AP. Um, once they get into 11th and 12th grade, they can, they can dual enroll. And so 
your number of AP students tend to drop off some. Um, and that's where I notice like those kids really, they either really want to be there or they really want to be with that teacher, yeah. you know, okay. cause I'll get kids that are like, I, you know, cause I, well, like I was saying, they'll come in in 10th grade and I'm like, Oh, you know, I don't really like history. I'm a math person. I'm like, all right. But then I'll see him in 11th grade and I'll see him in 12th grade. And yeah. I'm I like, keep oh, coming back. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, look at you. You're in humanities. We're going to yeah. learn about you know, art in Europe, like who would have thought that you would be sitting here and they're like, yeah, I know. That's cool. Well, that's great. It, have, might, it must mean that you've influenced them yeah, from that first year yeah. then. Have yeah. you always taught high school or have there been other grades that you've taught? Um, so uh, when I graduated high school, right, I was like a lot of people, I graduated with a humanities degree and like, what am I going to do with this? You right. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, well, you know, I really want to teach. So I went to look, but at the time, so I, I've been teaching, this will be my 12th year teaching. Um, and when I started teaching, a lot of the social studies positions were held by coaches, <laughs> You know, oh, I and, remember those days yeah. in oh, high school. Well, so not to sound the coaches foolish, were teaching classes that they really shouldn't have been teaching. Yeah, <laughs> just because that was hard to find someone that wanted to teach it, or um, I, so I feel like this in the beginning, the social studies department. In fact, it's a joke among a lot of the history teachers is we're kind of the stepchild of education, <laughs> right? Because like. English and reading is so highly tested yeah, and so yeah. highly watched. Science is so highly tested. Oh, that's Math. a good point. Yeah. And social studies are just kind of like, yeah, learn yeah. about the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I felt like in the beginning it was a lot of, oh, this guy, you know, he's an awesome football coach. Let's give him world history. Right. Okay. Because I got Because it you. wasn't a really a tested subject. Yeah. And maybe the kids will pay attention to him a little more because he's a coach. Yeah. Or, you know, because I remember we, we had coaches that were teaching those kind of classes and they were I mean they had like a booming voice and could get your attention oh, but yeah. they weren't teaching anything they're kind of checking like, the boxes almost yeah they're checking the box you're yeah. taking the test you're reading the chapter read chapter one very boring yeah. very boring and, and I will say um, a positive aspect of that is that I feel like that's changed a lot here recently yeah there's a now it's more of like what do you offer the school and by the way do you teach or coach you know, oh, so they asked that secondary, mm-hmm. and they're hiring a lot within, and and if they do hire, you know, someone like if they hire someone who's a coach, um, they tend to give them more like PE things, you know. So a lot of our okay, PE teachers good. tend to be the coaches now, and yeah, um, so it's been a good. I've noticed a big change. There's more focus, and of course, there's more testing now in the histories, and then they've learned that, you know, histories can teach you reading right and it can yeah and it can make you know it can make your english class make more sense like if they're reading you know mark twain to know what was happening in the 1800s and i never thought about it like that i never did either and i'll be honest for me um i'm i'm more of an english i mean you know i write stuff so i'm more of the english type yeah but history was somewhere along in my classes that I somewhat enjoyed. I was the type of kid that didn't really do well in math. So history was a little bit like English to me in a way that, you know, it's a lot of reading, it's a lot of stories. So in a way, I think, um, you know, so I'm trying to, to look at this through the eyes of kids that don't like that kind of stuff. And, and I don't, you know, I don't know that my kids like it to be honest with you. So, yeah. Well, and I was, I, 
in high school, I hated English class. Yeah. Um, I and think you're one way or the other normally. Yeah. You? Yeah. So did you like math then? I loved math. That's how it is. I, that's how girls usually are, I think. Because well, I, I liked I, math or I don't know. Is it the opposite? No, my daughter's the other way around. I just think your brain is either yeah. math or English yes. and, and it's rare to be both. Yeah. Well, and what I've noticed, so... I've noticed like um, it, a lot of it's personalities. Like yeah. the more I teach high school kids, the more I can like, they they think it's funny, but it, in many ways you learn a lot about psychology. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, kids will come in, I'm like, you're a math kid. And math kids are like me, right? I'm very type A. I'm very organized. I'm very structured. And that's what's funny though, is he's type are A you? and yeah. then he loves I had English. anxiety Isn't about that math. Weird? It is weird. I had anxiety about math though. I think that might have been because math, unlike English, there is an exact specific there's no variable. There's no room for you're kind of right. You're either right or wrong in math. Oh, see, that's what I liked. Yeah. See, in English, I remember specifically, I had one teacher and we had to read a poem. And to be honest with you, I was 10th grade, so I don't remember now. But I just remember her asking, like, what does the butterfly mean? And I remember looking at the connection and I'm like, it's a butterfly. It doesn't mean anything. It's interpretable, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then she'd be like, no, it represents the rebirth. And I'm like, "Mm." well, well, really, it depends on... You could argue, and I probably would have argued this. Well, really, it depends on what I view it as, because right. that's what poetry is, right? So, but yeah. It's I, whatever it, it, you know, it how it talks to you, just like a piece of art. Some people will be like, oh, look at this beautiful piece of art. It's like a sunset. And you're like, it's black. What, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah. I think what, what they do in those is they kind of, the question is usually more like, what was the artist trying to interpret with the butterfly? That's kind of where the snag is, because then yeah. you're trying to get in the head of the, the artist. The artist. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So are there other grades you'd like to teach in the future? Um, Honestly, no. You're, no. Cover, you're covering a, a wide. You do have, yeah, you have a wide I range do. there, but you like this age group. I do like this age group. I've, I've told my husband, I think at one point, so I've worked for the school system since I was 18, right? Oh. I obviously wasn't teaching at 18, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I worked with the elementary school kids uh, and I did the after school program while I was going to college. Um, because again, I'm, you know, I'm get your experience as I well. get experience. Um, and I was also a type A personality. So I kind of, when I decided to change my major, I was like, Hey, I'm working towards Florida re- retirement system. Right. So mm-hmm. I can retire with 30 years experience at 48 years old. And so I was like oh, planning yeah. all this out. And wow. yeah. And so I told my husband, I'm like, you know, I think when I retire, I'd like to teach college solely. Um, you know, part-time adjunct thing, you know, pick up classes here and there. And, um, I think that would be interesting to see. Yeah, no doubt. So when you teach college, Mm -hmm. do you want to teach the kids that are coming right out of high school and going in or the older people? So I just started college at 40 and I noticed there's a different dynamic with people. I've never, when they're a little older and in school, it's a little more challenging. I'm going to tell you, they have opinions. Yeah. (laughs) There's also, I would think, more of a passion, and I could be wrong, but I, I went to college in my 30s, so, but I felt like there's a passion, adults are like, you know, I was, full disclosure here, I was a terrible kid in high school, barely graduated high school, I was like straight A student in college, sitting at the front of the class, helping other kids, <laughs> I, and I think adults are kind of like that. Yeah, so the maturity level's different. Right. Yeah. And, and you're, and you know, you're it's on your dime. It. You're it you know. choosing it, and you're paying for it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And maybe, I'm not sure if you thought of it that way, but do you have a preference when you get into the college stuff? As far, no, I've never really looked at it that far. 
Yeah. Um, now with a master's degree, I would be limited to what I could teach. Because you have to, a PhD. Yeah, really. I mean, it's not necessarily required at the university level, but one thing I've learned is uh, as people get older in life, uh, they tend to appreciate the past more. And so there's, when I was going through my master's oh, program, true. I had a bunch of people that were 45 and 46 getting their master's in history. And so, oh, cool. um, so it's kind of the supply and demand thing. Yeah. You know, you get a lot more history degrees and you get like biochem. Of yeah. course. You know what? That, that, that we talked about this recently that, um, Something about that is true. Maybe it is maturity because I remember sitting through social studies and history movies or classes and just trying to stay awake. And now we'll catch ourselves watching a documentary. It might even be the same one we were watching back in high school and we're doing it out of entertainment for ourselves. Yeah. So there yeah. is an interest as you get older. I wonder why that is. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I think that's a, that's a whole psychology class. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I would assume some of it's tied in. Maybe because I mean, it's your choice. You know what I mean? Like when you're younger and you're, in, it's not really your choice. You're no. going to watch this. Like this and is it, part of the curriculum. I, I think yeah. it may also have something to do with just being generally curious about how we became who we are. Mm -hmm. And and I would even say maybe like restoring a legacy. Like by the time you're in your forties, mm -hmm. oh, you probably have too. children, and you want your children to know, like, hey, this is how it was when you grew this up. This is where and, we came from, yeah. and maybe even nostalgia in some sense. Oh, that's probably a lot of it, actually. Yeah, because I know, like in high school, I remember learning about. Um, so I was born in '84, right? Um, and I remember learning about like the end of the Cold War and all this, and I'm like, oh, that's boring. <laughs> this is stupid. And now that I'm like 35, I look back and I'm like. Hey, that's when I was born, right. you know, yeah. like that, that was happening during my time. And there's much more appreciation, even sure. from someone who always loved history Yeah, uh, to look back. And, and I even find myself like, you know, telling my children who are young, like my oldest is nine, my youngest is four, but I'll, you know, I'll come back and say, Hey, you know, that's, that's when mom was born, you know, yeah. or this was happening when I was your age and you're planting these little seeds in yeah. their head of, of, um, where to place things in time, yeah. which is cool. I'm I'm trying very hard to get my own children to love history. It's been a challenge, but <laughs> don't yeah. force it too much. I know I'm it. trying not to. Well, you know, I mean, I think once kids discover, maybe when they're not kids, the the sort of um, the uh, effects that all that stuff, like the end of the Cold War, those big major points in history, the effects they have on everything, including all the way down to their pop culture that they're so into, yeah. are directly influenced by those. You know, are are our whole society is affected by those things. Those things. Yeah. And you're right. more mature to appreciate it, I feel. You know, yeah. like, um, and I, I've even told my own students this, but, you know, even when you get older and you start doing things, and um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, but, you know, you start like paying taxes and mm. you start real life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you start discussions and you start having opinions, sure. like real strong opinions mm -hmm. and, and you start to appreciate, you know, why you have those things. Right. What molded that? What molded yeah. that and why you got where you got. And um, and so that's that in particular is one of the things that I really want my children, like not just my own personal children, but my students yeah. to kind of appreciate. Like, you know, you, you know, 200 years ago, people didn't have this right. You right. Know? Yeah, because they take that for granted. And they I know do. You, see, you see that a lot because of the age group that you're dealing with, but they Things are just taken for granted, yes. you know, of why they have it. Right. There's no struggle in how they got what they have sure. or what they're, 
you know, or how, how much things have gotten better. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. They have no, well, no and idea. Like, and even people that have, so my brother-in-law is, was born in Romania and he lived through the Romanian communist revolution. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and he's not, you I know, bet you'd love talking to him. I keep saying wow, but that, that's. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's completely interesting. And even, you know, he's, he's my age, 34, whatever. He was a little bit younger when the revolution mm-hmm. went through. Um, but just the stories he remembers, um, you know, his grandpa was an educator who was constantly being retaught on how to educate and what to say in the classroom. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, so to bring, like, I, I want to bring him in to my history classes when we talk about the fall of communism and, and different places and just, you know, for them to see like, the things that you hear about people not being allowed to have opinions or people not being allowed it's to. It's not that long ago. It wasn't yeah. that long ago. Right. To have books or to, you know, I mean, yeah. just yeah. so many interesting things like that that kids don't know about. Well, and he even told us about how um, his grandpa had a radio that got interception from Italy, which of course Italy was free in the 80s and um, and still is. And um, his, they, you know, were at school and work and all this and the government came in and raided their house and stole his radio and oh. there was nothing you could do because the house was provided you by the government so it was yeah. the government's house and their property it was their property and um it, he's just um he told me that you know growing up his grandpa used to tell him that you weren't allowed to befriend anyone that had nicer things than you um and it was because you assume they work for the government uh, and so the government wow. would reward them. So he's like, he remembers being four and five and suspicious of and everyone. Suspicious yeah. of that's, everyone. That's and, a control thing. Yeah. You know, trying to make everybody con- suspicious of each other. And, and, well, what's interesting about that to me is I think a lot of us, even my generation, but especially our kids' generation, your students' generation, that kind of stuff seems so far removed. You picture like your great great grandparents, but when you're hearing that it's someone as young as you guys are, I think yeah. it hits closer to home. I would think it hits closer to home with your kids. Have you had him in, or you want to have him in to your uh, class? Um, I've been working on it. He, yeah. um, so I'm trying to get him in. Um, I used to have now. He's getting older now, but I actually had a Holocaust survivor that uh, came in and would talk to my students. Uh, he lived in the villages. Um, and the that's commune. always interesting to yeah. me. And his, yeah. it, um, his story, and he even talks, uh, you know, a little bit about it. And I'm telling you, when he talked to my class, um, there was not a dry eye. Oh, I that, bet. Those are hard stories to hear. Yeah. Those are. Um, and he, it, it's just interesting. And I think that helps yeah. the students, you know, understand that it's not just in a book, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it becomes real. real when they see somebody that's actually. Telling yeah. the story. I would think it also, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm giving the kids too much credit, but it seems like it would give, you know, this generation more of an appreciation. We talk about, we were just talking about how, how it's not really been that long since things have been so much worse. Stories like that, even to me and my generation are like, quit whining about the little thing in life that you have to deal with because yeah. there are people yeah. that went through some really, really bad stuff. Well, but you know how I view that though is... With kids, when they're going through 
challenges, even us as adults, whatever that challenge is, it's, it's the hard thing in your life right That's then. very true too. Yeah. You know what I mean? I guess the emotions are yeah. maybe the same, but I don't know. I always felt a little more measured when I hear about things like that. When I hear real personal stories yeah. from the actual people that went through things like that. It makes you go, why am I it whining? It makes me recheck myself <laughs> more than anything, you know? Well, and the, the very interesting thing about my brother-in-law too is his perspective on just America in general um, is so refreshing uh, as in like he, um, you know, he's not a very political person probably because he's, you know, um, he's, yeah. you know, Romania um, and being here, but he um, his just, you know, the things that we as Americans take for granted or complain about, he's like, I don't, you know, it's not that bad of a place. Really? Right. Everyone... Yeah. Oh, you know, but when all we've countries grown up in wars. it and we've yeah. seen the changes that have affected us in some way. And everyone's probably yeah. critical of their government because, well, depending on if you grew up in that environment. But I think uh, yeah. it's nice to probably get a perspective of appreciation versus yeah. uh, complaining and being yeah. upset about what well, seems to be trivial in comparison, you know? Yeah. Well, he's just, it's just, he's refreshing, you know, and well, he's Well, that's nice. going to be cool if you can get him in the class. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm working on it. So you said you've been working in the school system since you were 18. Is that when, I know you said you changed your major. When did you change your major? Like how far in? Because I'm just curious when you started feeling your head, like, you know, I think maybe I want to be a teacher. Um, so... I, my mom worked in the school system and my stepdad, they both uh, worked for Orange County Public Schools. Were they teachers or just? No, or they just neither one them? of them were okay. actual teachers. And my mom told me my whole life that I should be a teacher, right? And she would always say things like, oh, it's perfect and, and you know, uh, you can be a mom and you can have summers off and you can do this and that. And um, I just remember thinking as a child, like, mm, no. Like, yeah, not for me. <laughs> not for me, thanks. I am a kid. I don't yeah. want to deal with kids. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and so when I so I went to a Popka high school, right? And at So did I. Yeah, yeah. And they had a like the like a magnet school type thing. And so I was in the health magnet and I was like taking more sciencey classes mm-hmm. in high school and I still loved my history classes, but um and when I when I you know, when I turned 18, my mom's like, well, you know, get a job, like be responsible, mm-hmm. go to college. But, um, my parents, um, told me from a very young age, they're like, you know, we're not going to pay for your college because we feel like if you pay for it, you'll take it more seriously. Yeah. And you'll try harder in high school to get scholarships. Sure. You know, um, and so I was a little bit bitter about that at high school. Now I appreciate yeah. it, but, uh-huh. um, but so she's like, you know, why don't you come work at the school with me and the after school program while you're in college, set your classes, and then you're only working, you know, a few hours in the afternoon. Um, and so I did that. And I, I don't really know. So I, I did that for maybe three years mm-hmm. um, as a pre-med major. And, and I don't know if the school system itself um, changed my mind, but, but like three years, so like three years into it, um, I really think the biggest influence was that teacher. Was the yeah, oh, the wow. history teacher. Yeah. yeah. And and so Cuz you said that there was like a shift whenever it you was. saw him teaching. And you he, know we we talked with Angel about how some teachers 
that like what they're doing, kind of the same way that you like what you're doing. If you think back on the teachers you remember in your life, I don't remember very many, but the ones I remember are so significant. I think you can have such influence on people's they're lives as a teacher. They're very passionate, yeah, about yeah. whatever the, it is they're teaching or just the cl- if they found the age group that they love to be with, you know, there's an energy about them. There is. Uh, I mean, I had um, a high school teacher that taught history that I loved. And when I changed my major, so because I was a history major and not an education major, I wasn't allowed to intern, um, you know, at the school system. It's not a class. And I um, I had a history teacher at Apopka High School that I really, really liked. And I remember reaching out to her and asking her, can I just come and observe you and see what you do? you know, and how you do it and all of this. And she, you know, open arms, like I I came back and, um, she kind of helped me and prepared and was like, okay, well, you're going to have this hurdle because you're a history major. You're not an education (laughs) major. Like this is how you want to set your resume and this is how you want to go in. Oh, that's a lot of great help. Yeah. Because, you know, there's, um, there's just, there's this, this idea that, you know, there's all these ways to teach. Yeah. And so there's a big requirement that you learn how to teach versus what to teach. How to set the curriculum, yeah. make lesson plans, so, meeting all them sunshine state requirements. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. those are the kind of things that you would learn if you had the education. Yeah. And degree. I had none of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, but you know good what, to know that you're but, successful as a teacher, even though you didn't have that. But See, to me, I, you know, I know nothing about this. All I know is from my own experience. And and every, as we talk about education this month, I'm hearing it from Angel. I'm hearing it from you that the, the teachers that were really into what they were teaching are the most influential. And I would argue the, the most education, doing the most amount of educating that you're really supposed to be doing. Rather than following the perfect formula, yeah. it's your passion that is making the difference. Yeah. It's making kids interested. It's making 100%. kids come back again and again. Because there's lots of people that have all these degrees and they, I'm sorry, they're boring yeah. teachers. Right. I've and I, had and professors that you know, are and I boring. Had, it's, I want to kill myself being in class. <laughs> right. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I remember teachers that, uh, like, I remember my high school science teacher, and I hated science, but I loved his class because he was just geeked out for it. And I think, and so we, you'd get sort of drawn in because mm-hmm. when someone is in their zone, you know, that kind of thing is compelling, I think. So, it and is. you're fascinated. You want to know why someone loves why something so, so much. Why are they so excited about right. it? Yeah. yeah. What it's is contagious. there to it? Is there something secret that they're hiding from us? Like, no, but it's kind of, I think it's no, contagious, it contagious though, isn't it? It is. It is. And I, I've definitely told people, like, I have a couple, um, you know, individuals who've thought of maybe getting into teaching now that they're in their 30s or whatever, career change. Um, and I really, I, I truly believe that teachers are born, they're not taught. Yeah. You can't. You, no matter how many educational courses you go to, like I can learn all the ins and outs. And of course yep. I had to yeah. learn it in my first couple of years. Um, but you can't take someone who's a bad teacher and make them good. You can yep. just take a natural teacher and make them better. That's, yep. I believe that a hundred percent. And I do too. And some I, people are not meant to teach. I, I just, agree. And I, not to be disparaging to some teachers, but I, I've had, I think most of the teachers I had in my life were checking the boxes and they were nice enough people, but it's not as influential when you're, yeah. when you're maybe trained to be a teacher, but you really weren't born to be a teacher yeah. kind yeah. of thing. And I think that's why some teachers rise to the top. I, and I would agree. And yeah. and like I said, one of, 
Um, one of my good friends is an amazing teacher, absolutely an amazing teacher. And, you know, she, that's not what she went to school for. Um, but she stumbled into it. Mm. And in fact, her degree was in advertising. Um, wow. Well, you could pl- apply some of that probably. Sure yeah. <laughs> but she taught, uh, yeah, she taught elementary school. She moved to the high school. She likes to move around a lot, but, um, it's just, you know, you would never know. Like if you were to talk yeah. to her, you would think that, you know, that's all she's ever done and, right. and that she had all this technical training and all this stuff. And it's, it's just, it, it feels very natural when you get yeah. in the classroom. I feel like if you're meant to be a teacher, you instinctively pretty much know what to do. Yeah. yeah you're in the zone. Yeah. You know? So what changes have you seen in education from the time that you began teaching until now? Um, so so when I started in education, um, I felt like there was this big push to send everyone to college. And it was this idea that every single student has to be successful. And the only way to be successful is with a college degree. Um, and there was, there was a, there's, there's still been a big push to that. Um, and I feel like, with time, and I'm starting to notice, uh, maybe within the last two years in particular, that they're they're starting to recognize that you can be very successful without a college degree, and that's okay. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's going to be kids that don't want to pursue oh, any more schooling. Absolutely. You know, my husband, uh, I'm sure he'd probably kill me for saying this, but I'm sure he, he you know, he barely graduated high school. He never wanted that's to be relatable. there. This guy too. Yeah. <laughs> and... And I, and I would always talk to him because I've always loved learning, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I still do like, we'll watch a movie and I'm like, Hey, pause that. I want to Google who that person is or whatever. <laughs> and, and he, um, I he, live with that. Okay. <laughs> you can, you just got to know, right? Yeah, I do. I have to know everything. Yeah, I do yeah. too. Yeah. Um, and you know, I asked him one time, I'm like, you know, why did you, why did you hate high school? Like, what was it about high school that you just didn't connect with? And he goes, you know, I knew I wanted to be an electrician. Um, he was from Connecticut. He took an electrical course up there and then he mm-hmm. came back down and he was in Florida. And he goes, I remember sitting in class learning about Macbeth thinking, why? I don't care. You know, yeah. I would rather be out there making money and doing what I like. And, and I've been a big advocate for, um, and again, I'm the lowest man on the totem pole, but, um, you know, I, I want my students to know that there's success beyond college. Yeah. And I'm coming from someone with a master's degree. I obviously feel like, you yeah. know. It's not for it's, everyone. It's not for yeah. everyone. Um, and That's great that you feel that way, though, because that those students in class that are like thinking like your husband did, like, I don't, it's not for me. They have somebody that can relate to that because yeah. even though you have an education, yeah. higher education, you're married to somebody who's very successful and doesn't. Yeah. And, and Doing it's all what over, he loves. You know, and I, of course I'm an IT computer nerd. So th- there's another sort of uh, sector of that. You know, Google doesn't require college degree, neither does Apple now. So yeah. a lot of these big tech giants that are arguably some of the, um, the, the uh, most profitable companies in the world don't require college anymore. So there's a culture shift, at least for some jobs, for sure. Yeah. And well, and I tell my students, um, you know, if don't, and I'm, I don't know if their parents are always like this, but I tell them, I'm like, if you don't know what you want to do, 
don't waste your money finding yeah. out. Yeah. Well, I hope the parents tell them that too, because it, it puts you in such debt. It does. You know? Yeah. Or well, the parents in such debt if they don't really want to use that. Yeah. You know? And I have kids that are, you know, seniors in school and, um, you know, they're going into a university because they're told like, you have to go to universities. Don't go, to, don't go, you know, don't go to a, a junior college or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, they'll get in and, um, and I've, I've had a bunch of students come back that are just like, they'd spent a whole year there, thousands of dollars. And they're like, Oh, I'm in firefighting school. Yeah. You yeah. know, I was going to ask if there's a push towards more kind of technical things right out of high school. Cause I think that's a great place I, to start. Yeah. You get a degree in a year or two, right. Or in the, in that field, a certification, whatever it is. And you go right into the workforce. You do. And then you have a stable job that you're doing something that you're interested in while you figure it out. And there, believe it or not, there's a decline in the country of sort of those blue collar industrial type jobs. Mike yeah. Rowe from dirty jobs, the guy that does that, but had a whole write up a few months ago about how we need more of that because everyone wants to go off and do these other jobs. And, there's a big hole now in, yeah. out there in the world. For, yeah. And for, I think it's because they've, a lot of kids have been conditioned to believe that college is the only way, yeah. Yeah. you know? And, and I even see it now, like I'll have students that are like, oh my, you know, my parents said I have to go to college. And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? Well, you know, oh, I want to be a hairdresser, you know, or, oh, I want to like, um, like I said, my, hu my husband's an electrician and I had one student that's like, you know, I, I really want to be an electrician. That's awesome. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm like, well, do it, you know, yeah. I can hook you up and I can let you talk to my husband and yeah. you can, end, you know, whatever with him. And, um, he's like, oh no, my parents said I have to go to college. Well, I don't want to be a hypocrite either because I just went through this with my son who's getting ready to start college and I pushed him to go. He's going to, by his own choice, a community college. He could go straight to university, but mm -hmm. he doesn't know what he wants to do. And I guess my philosophy with that is some of the people that I have looked up to and I'm going to dork out, but like Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, those guys, even though they're high, they're college dropouts, college, I think for some kids, at least they're having sort of a more mature mindset now that they're out of high school and I've seen the changes in mm -hmm. my son. I think the exposure to opportunities. So even if he just goes for a year or two, I think he may discover, he has no idea what he wants to do. He may discover in the community college, you know what? what I like that. And that's yeah. really the main reason. It's not about the college education to me. It's about getting some new ideas that maybe you don't even know are out there. Because, you know, when you're, when you're a teenager, if you're not into a million things, and I wasn't, you don't even know, you know, I, I got into my career on accident and it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. So yeah. I'm in agreement with you both, but- Full disclosure, I did kind of push my son to at least get out there, start college, and see where it takes you. you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's important for them to have some direction. And when they're just floating out of, you know, getting out of high school and they're like, oh, I'm going to take a year off, or uh, and they don't have any direction, I think it is important for yeah. us as parents to point them in. You got to move forward. Yeah. Oh, okay? absolutely. Don't drift. Unless you have $10,000 in the bank saved up that you're going to go travel to Europe and have some kind of experience like that, you're not, you can't just drift. Right. On my, especially your, you know. On my dime. On my dime. <laughs> well, and I'm, and I'm also a big fan of the state colleges or the community colleges yeah. too for that because you're getting an education at half the price and if it's not for you, 
you know, that's sure. right. You're walking away and you're not paying the big university dollar exactly, um, and finding something else. And I think the examples that you gave, I still agree with you because if a kid is in high school and they're like, I want to be an electrician, I want to be a hairdresser. Well, then they already know, then go for it. But you know, my son is more like I was and he doesn't really know. So it's given, I feel like it gives him the opportunity, you know, Steve Jobs never knew he wanted to do what he wanted to do. He was in college and discovered it and then bailed on college and went and did it. So, you know, yeah. I think it just, just knowing, getting some ideas is good for some kids too. Yeah. So they're not drifting. Well, and I'm a big fan of, um, which we don't have yet, but I, I'm always telling people who want to listen that I feel like we should set up some sort of like two track system in, in high school. I'm a big fan of this idea that, you know, kids kind of know, like yeah. they know pretty early on, you know, I'm, I'm a university kid. You know, I've had students go to MIT. I've had students go to Yale. Like they know, right. um, I've had even kids go to UCF or UF and, and they're like, I, I want to be, even if they don't become it, you know, I yeah. want to be a psychologist. I want to become a marine biologist. Right. Like they know they're going towards that path. Yeah. And then I've had other students that are like, uh, I don't really know. I might go to a community college. I might not. And I'm like, why not set them up on a track? Why, why lump them into the same class? That's you know, speak in my language. I've had these ideas of, it's almost like an assessment that kids should go through at the beginning of every year because they're changing with their experiences in life. They're and they're maturity. so different. Yeah, every year from pre-K on, there should be an assessment that yeah. kids go through, and it places them in a track, like you said. Yeah, they're either the super brainy, want to learn, want to sit, can focus, or they need to be more hands-on or you know, creative or whatever, like kind of that, you know, there's two different ways that kids usually go. Some fall in the middle, but most are like, you know, one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to your, uh, to your point there, Kristen, that, um, you know, I've been working with engineers for 25 years, most of them. And when I say most of them, I mean, 95% of them, they knew they wanted to be engineers in high school. I think jobs like that, you know, if you want to be a doctor, it's usually Something Agreed. happens when you're really young yeah. that influenced you. You know, these, yeah. these kind of big jobs like lawyers or things that take a lot of schooling. Yeah. I think most people kind of knew that at a very young age. Not always, but I I think that tends to be when I talk to people that I know Same. that are, you know, doctors or lawyers, they knew. Right. Yeah. Well, and I even feel like kids they they know themselves and yeah. they know if they're and when i say higher education learners like they know i mean even like me like i wanted to be a doctor uh or a nurse practitioner i changed my mind but i knew that that i i would never make it in the world of construction you know or right. I, of course I, yeah. I i'm just i'm not artsy enough to be a hairdresser i'd mess everything up like i knew that that was my track that's yes. where i had to go right and and then you have other kids that you know I just think if they were exposed to more technical things and, and that's what I've told them. I'm like, we should, if we had a two track system and we suck kids that wanted to go to a four year university and we, you know, those are the kids that we can expose to Macbeth and expose oh, yeah. to, you know, yeah. all the deeper learnings of, of history. And they're going to eat it up. Yeah. Right. And then the other kids expose them to trades, you know, yeah. expose them to, um, and there was, a, I'm a huge nerd all around. So I listened to all types of political 
debates and all that. And I, I don't remember who said it, but one of them was like, you know, the problem with public education is we're, tr- we're training kids to be philosophers and not plumbers. Yes. Yeah. And the world needs more plumbers that's than we need right, philosophers. Right there with that's, that micro mm-hmm. thing I was telling you that I read. That, that's yeah. absolutely true. We need all different trades and we have to recognize in our kids what they're good at. Like my brothers are always good with taking things apart and putting it back together. They're both physical labor workers. One's a plumber, one's a stonemason. And they seem to love it. They love it. Yeah. They work hard. They make good money. They do. I but, mean, but I'm know? with you. I never would have survived in that world no. either. So yeah, and 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 I, that's just the big thing for me is I I feel like if kids could be exposed even to more practical things, you know, I have students that are you know maybe even barely graduating high school. I'm not exposed to them as much anymore with the level of courses that I teach, but I know of them. You know, I see them and um, and we're teaching them. You know. M- this, these macro governments and they're learning about all the the philosophy behind you know capitalism or socialism yeah. or all this and they don't know how to you know they don't know how to pay bills uh-huh. yeah. they don't know how oh, taxes yeah. work that, that was that was me <laughs> you're describing me in high school and yeah. it's like why why aren't we teaching them practical life yeah. skills like, you know you know my again my husband is a genius that he can wire a house in a day you know he he breezes through things and it, even his science and, and, and understanding of math, like he can like, Oh, well that's, you know, that's 36 inches. I need it to be da da da. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah. like slow down there. And yeah, you know, it's not that they're not learning. Yeah. They're what? just learning things more relevant to them. And if I would sit my husband down now and be like, Hey, you know, what are your philosophies on uh, socialism and Robert Owen? He I would like, say, I, what does philosophy mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, and, but if he was to ask me to do something in his world, I wouldn't know either. Yeah. And it doesn't mean one is less educated than the other. They're just different. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest failings in education is we're trying to, we're, we're individuals Mm -hmm. and we try to lump them all in the same path. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I don't need to be. No. And, and there's nothing wrong. Like, and that's the other thing is I feel like kids that don't go to college have kind of become, I don't want to say like a bad word, but it's like a four letter word. Like we don't, we don't tell our teachers we're not going to college, you know, we we don't tell our administrators that, that we, you know, we don't want to go to to do this or that after school. And it's like, why, you know, why can't we freely speak about that? Yeah. I mean, to me, high school is just to make you a better member of the community. Yeah. You know, it's to expose you. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's, it's to expose you and peak interest and, and just give you a basic understanding of how to contribute. And once you, once you get there and once you graduate, you know, use that and make something of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So bringing it back into the classroom, how do you keep your students engaged? in class and and what do you do as a teacher to influence them to stay on track outside of the classroom as well as in like studying studying and maybe just life in general because you know sometimes teachers can plant those seeds in class that help them get through the difficulties that it comes with you know those those years of becoming an adult where you're still a kid at heart but you really want to be respected as an adult how are you helping them to transition outside as well um I think one of the things I do um, is I I hold my kids accountable, and and as as horrible I don't know how horrible this sounds, but I feel like a lot of things that kids 
miss nowadays is that accountability stage. Um, And it's one of those things like, you know, kids are always exposed to, you know, well, I have the right to an education. I have the right to this. I have the right to that. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, do you understand that there's also responsibility that comes with these rights? That's right. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the right to a free and public education, but you have the responsibility to use it properly. And I think it's one of the things um, and I'm kind of, I'm like, they kind of kid me. They say I'm the hard teacher. I have the, I raise the bar. I have the hard standards and like, oh, you know, she's going to hold you accountable. But I think kids like it. Kids oh, like structure yep. and they like. And the world's going to hold them accountable. They are. They and, have to be taught that at home and in the class, I think. Yeah. And when, you know, so when you're labeled like, oh, she's the hard teacher, right? You're going to have to read the book actually and, and all this. Um, just the satisfaction on their face when they accomplish something, you mm-hmm. know, they know when a class is easy yeah. and they know when they skate by and that a doesn't mean as much to them. Right. Um, but when they, when they leave and they, they, they know they've been accountable and they know that they like, you know, that they have the, they have the right to be there, but they have the responsibility to use it properly. When they, when they walk away, there's, there's pride because yeah. they actually earned it, you know? Yeah. Right. And that's um, rewarding to you too, I'm sure, when is. you see that. Especially yeah. when you see kids that maybe were struggling a little bit and then they pulled it off. Oh, yeah. There's, they're like a glow about them. And, you know, there is. Hey, hey, you and know, it's I nice. got an A. <laughs> like, I, I had one student um, a, a couple years back and he was what they would classify as like a struggling student, right? He had a learning disability. Um, English was not his first language. He'd been here probably 10 or 15 years, you know, so he, he, he knew the language, but it still wasn't a first language. Right. Um, and by, you know, by standards and, and by data, I never should have passed that AP exam. And I mean, that's, it's a hard exam and, and, and and he worked, you know, hard and he would come in and, and I wouldn't just say, you know, he would come in and I, you know, give him a test or whatever. And I'm like, listen, you know, you got a D on this test. Let's, let's rework on it. And I, and I felt like he appreciated the fact that I wasn't just giving him an A cause I felt bad for him, you yeah. know, like, oh, well here's, you know, I would give him an opportunity to fix the grade. So he didn't keep the D, but I didn't just come in and be like, oh, you know, here's an A. So he was taking yeah. pride in his, oh his yeah. Own and he passed, he, he passed oh, the exam amazing. and, oh yeah. And, um, and, and which, which even told me there, like, if he can do it, all of you can do it. Yeah. You know, because he had every reason not to pass that exam. And he yeah. did it. And he it's did all it. a matter of effort. So yeah. th- I, I think this is, as we talk about focus and effort with kids, this is something that's always kind of interesting to me. But there's a lot of distractions in the world today that we didn't have in our generation. And really, you know, I'm a generation older than you. Uh, and I, I think even in your generation, it wasn't around as much. But social media, everything's screaming for your your uh, attention every five seconds. Have you found that s- students have a harder time focusing? Than, yeah. Um I mean, do you see that degrading over time or is it, it is it cuz I this is what I envision. I'm not a teacher, but I envision just from raising my own kids, if you're not careful, they're trying to check their phone or or be in that world all the time. And anything else outside of that, they're kind of half present if you're not careful. Yes. I, I would say the introduction of cell phones in particular, like smartphones, all of those iPads, um, it's come with good and bads. Sure. And mm-hmm. One of the things I've learned is that kids can't be bored anymore. Right. They're not used 
to just having to sit. Yes. And so, uh, this is a theme because this, this is, is exactly theme. what Angel said yeah. about elementary yeah. students. But neither are adults. But I, I want to yeah. let you go. I'm going to let you finish here. Yeah. I just like they don't know. Um, they think that everything should be entertaining, yes. you know, and so I get a lot of, well, you know, I don't really, you know, the Gilded Age, just boring. I don't want to read about it. And I'm like, you yeah. know, we're not, we're not always going to be entertained. Life isn't entertaining or they don't know how to sit very long. And that's one of the problems with these standardized tests is that you're taking kids that are very, you know, they want... Um, instant gratification yes, and you're making them sit down for four hours yes. or three hours to it's test. It's got to be restructured. It doesn't make sense. And, yeah. and it's, um, and so that's one of the things is like, at least in my own personal life with my three kids, uh, I, I try to give them opportunities of boredom, which sounds really horrible, but you know, I like it, and, and I'm not perfect. Obviously, yeah. we had a 14-hour car ride on Sunday, and I definitely let him watch a movie. But, <laughs> of course. But there were times where I'm like, hey, we're going to turn the TV off. Let's just look, look out, out the, the window. window. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it inspires them to be creative and imaginative. Like, Draw pictures. Oh, yeah. And there know, was definitely, play a game. you know, there was a little fighting in the beginning. <laughs> of course. Yeah. A little crossing the lines that, uh-huh. you know, yeah. don't cross this line. You I'm know. not touching you. Yeah. I'm not touching you. So-and-so's <laughs> looking at me funny. Um, but, you know, my husband's like, why are you doing this? You're torturing yourself. And I'm like, because it's better for them. It really yeah. is. They, they need to learn how to be bored and so they need to learn how to sit still. Implementing that kind of thing in the classroom, though, has to be tricky. And again, I feel spoiled when you talk about parenting because I was right on that line. I like dodged a bullet because I remember being in the car with my two playing the name game mm-hmm. and playing the sign game because devices just weren't so commonplace yet. But in the classroom, I suppose you can't have your phone out in front of you. So that's kind of a savior. But it sounds like their behavior. The I, I just picture a bunch of fidgety high schoolers that can't hardly stand to sit still because of this. Um, somewhat. And, and I don't know. They, they definitely, I feel like the biggest thing with them is I don't feel like they're too fidgety. They'll sit down and they'll listen. Um, but one of the things they don't like to do, and, and I don't know if this is a generational thing or mm-hmm. not, but they're not very good at solving problems. They want the answer now. Yes. That's and the instant gratification. It it's is. a Google search. Everything's it, a Google search yeah. away. Oh, yeah. You know? And my students in particular, they get so frustrated because they'll say, oh, where, you know, where, where where's the Declaration of Independence in the book? And I'm like, oh, there's an index. They don't know and what an index no. is. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, look it up, you know? And so so one of the funny things in class, I had a student um, last year and he, you know, one of the kids was like, hey, you know, where's, you know, whatever, Voltaire in the book. And the kid's like, it's right here. It's in the index. And so all year we told him he was the problem solver. I'm like, look at you. You're a problem oh, solver. Nice. And so that's like yeah. a running joke. And so every time he did something, he's like, miss. I'm the problem solver. Nice. Well, that brings me into my next question, which was about technology in the classroom. And I, I hate to admit, like when you talk about looking at an index in a paper book, I, because of my life, I have migrated myself, my kids, Angie, yeah. all of us to digital. I write everything digital at work every day. And for me, it's the same information. I read digital books, but I can punch up a search in that book or in that document and it just goes to the page I'm getting the same information. 
Do you think there's value in having to manually go find that information versus a search? And are you guys using technology in the classrooms? Um, yes. So the school that I work at, we're one-to-one. So every single student in our, in our high school has a Chromebook. Oh, cool. um, Very and, nice. Yeah. And so um, it's, it gives them an opportunity. So we incorporate Google Classroom. Um, so my students have, I love it. have, have Google Classroom. Um, and, and, and I'm with you. So even like putting in, speaking as a high school teacher, putting in the, you know, the control F or whatever it is for search, that's still problem solving. Like if a kid did that, I would still be impressed. So I I loved hearing that. (laughs) Yeah. Because some of the mundane processes to me, I don't get it. I don't use paper because I can't keep up with it. But if I have my iPad, I have all of my documentation. Yeah. And I do. um, And so I I enjoy the Chromebook and, you know, my master's degree was completely online. Yes. I did it all online. And I don't have an issue at all with technology. In fact, I think it's great. And I even like that the kids, um, you know, I tell them all the time, I don't care where you find the information as long as it's right. Yeah. You know? And so make sure you do your research to make sure it's make credible. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so teaching them how to fact check and all exactly. that good stuff. And, and, you know, my master's degree, there wasn't a ton of classes where they're like, you have to use this textbook or you have to use this book. Right. Um, it was more like, Hey, here's the problem. Solve it. Mm-hmm. You know, tell me about this person or tell me about this idea. And, and so I'm, I'm kind of the same with my students. You know, the county has required textbooks and, and all of this, and we use it more as supplemental resources, like if we're doing things in the classroom. Um, but I don't care necessarily where the kids get it. And that's where the technology is good because I expose them. One of the big things I do with my AP, there's a ton of amazing AP teachers out there and they create, um, and I, I'm assuming they don't have children, um, but they, they create just hours and hours and hours of online content on YouTube and they create these web pages and all that. And I tell the kids, like, I don't care if you're listening to this guy tell you, if you're reading it out of a book, if you're a reader, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I don't, I don't care where it's coming from. I just want it to be right. And so I try not to uh, necessarily pigeonhole them to whatever the textbook is. Yeah. Um, That's refreshing to hear. I think that learning in general can be so much more fun now because, and I hate to admit this, but. I watch probably 10 YouTube videos every night on random stuff Mm -hmm. that I'm just learning for various reasons. And I think now that you mention it, as a high school kid, that would have been an amazing resource if you don't get down the YouTube hole and you're watching something silly. But <laughs> I'm sure that happens. Yeah, I'm sure it does too. But that being able to sort of learn it however it works best for you is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'll have students come in that will, you know, say we're talking about whatever, the founding fathers, and, and I'm telling them the difference between Hamilton and Jefferson and all of this. And, and I'll have a kid say, what about so-and-so? And I'm like, who? I don't know who that is. And they're like, oh, I, you know, I was on um, Wikipedia and I was oh. learning about Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> and then I clicked this and then I clicked this and then I clicked this. And at first, you know, I'm like, he's not important. Like, if yeah. I don't know who he is, he's not on the test. Yeah. But uh, the other side of me is like, how amazing with technology that this kid, you know, was 
was able to just click, 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 click and, and learn something. And he may not be tested on it, but yeah. just to know that he cared enough to yeah. keep clicking yeah. and like, Oh, Thomas Jefferson was, you know, an anti-federalist. What are anti-federalists? And he clicks it and he is like, Oh, well, who's James Madison? Oh, what did, and then they yeah. just keep clicking yeah. on. And, and, and that I, I love technology for that. I, I yeah. do too. I think that's awesome. I think also the books, you know, when we were in high school, the book might've been five years old. And this probably really relates to history too, because we learn more about history. So there's some discovery that happened and then there, it kind of changes the, it kind of rewrites history a little bit in, in some cases, if they find out that something happened differently because there's a new discovery out there, there's a city that was unearthed or whatever it is. And in our day, you just had the stale information, you know what I mean? And when it's a digital mm-hmm. book, it can be updated, you know, like that. And I think for the economics behind that, it's just smart. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's no Do reprinting of books. and E-books yeah. instead of the printed book. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I understand that, you know, some kids still, you know, people are still readers. They like that. But the value, it, it just doesn't make sense to me anymore. From as the, far as, just economical you know, value. Yeah, alone. economical value. Yeah. Like, just print it out a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, print out the pages you want if you need it. Right. But, but that's, but I love it's hearing It's easy that, to go on and just update something. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, agree. I do love hearing that the technology is playing a real role like that, though. Oh, because, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you couldn't, I mean, in today's world, you know, you just can't anymore. Yeah. I can't just put a textbook in front of them and say, read it. And, and, and in some way, and like I said, in some ways that's really good. And I still, I do still hold my students accountable to reading because, you know, that's what they're going to have to do in yeah. life. Okay. You yes. know, not everything's on, you I'm sure everything is doc- on a YouTube video, yeah, you, but you got to read you know, a document that you signed for work. You got to, you know, read about your tax. I mean, even just yeah. stuff like that, Jen, you got to be able to, you know, problem solve a document sometimes. What does that oh, mean? Yeah. What does that mean? There's something yeah. about the reading process too. I think your brain is learning differently when you're reading. And I we and did I some research on that. Remember, there is something with oh, that's right. We activate did. some part of the brain that lights up when you actually are reading. Oh print. yeah. Reading. Well, but, I, but it could be digital print. Yeah. Too, any kind of any you know. type. Well, of and reading. I try to get my students. Um, so, like I said, I don't necessarily pigeonhole them to a textbook by you know, state laws and county standards and all this. I have to have a textbook. Mm-hmm. Um, and parents like to hear there's a textbook. You never want to tell a parent there's not oh. a textbook. But, <laughs> of course. Um, Where's my money going? Yeah. But um, <laughs> but I try to get them to read more. Like, so in my AP U.S. history class, I'm making them read books. You know, like actual, like the autobiography of Ben Franklin, I have them read in the first nine weeks. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And and then we break it down and I make them think historically about it. Like, so they're being exposed to something that's maybe a little bit more entertaining than a textbook. Yeah. yeah. But you can learn so much from it. So then yeah. I'm like, okay, well, you know, Ben Franklin wrote this. Like, how does that tie to the Great Awakening? How does that tie to the revolution? How does that, you know, can we see where the revolution was coming by the way that Ben Franklin writes, you know, we read um, Uncle Tom's Cabin, which, you know, Abraham Lincoln said was the book that caused the Great War. You know, why? Yeah. You know, what did what did Harriet Beecher Stowe say? Why is it so important? Um, we read The Jungle in the third nine weeks and talk about like the progressive era and, and, the, and the need for government maybe to step in and say, hey, what's happening in that meatpacking industry, you know, yeah. that you're giving yeah. these people. And um, I have them read 1984 by George Orwell. Oh, the best um, one. Yeah. Well, that was the year I was born. So I have a, a tight fondness for that. Oh, but of I would love to say I know what that is, but I really don't. 
the cold, we'll just say the cold war, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I have them read that. And then we talk about like, you know, George Orwell and, um, and, and one of the neat, which I don't want to bore you, but no. one of the neat things about George Orwell is he was a socialist who criticized socialism, you know, and yeah. was like, um, and so he wrote this whole book and saying like, this is the world, you know, that, that we're yeah. creating and, and be fearful of yeah. it. And, Isn't that yeah. great though? Cause we talk a lot about how, um, learning helps you to evolve and someone like that, who is a socialist who was criticizing socialism, that's because he was evolving through what he was learning, you know, seeing, seeing yeah. you know, and if you don't, you're stagnant. Yeah. So it's important, whatever type of, you know, learning that you do, just do, do something so that you're moving forward. Well, Miss Kristen, I think we're running over an hour now. That's okay. Sorry. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> no, it's awesome. So, you know, a big part of our podcast is really being more involved in the community. And we know teachers are already very involved in the community. Is there anything you do outside of school, any organizations that you work with, charities that you work with that um, is kind of you being more involved in the community outside of school? Because that's already school. very involved. Yes. Um, I'm not necessarily tied to a lot of organizations outside the community besides uh, baseball. Um, I think I told you guys earlier, but... We talked to Angel yeah. about that, yeah. though. You, that's, that's your consuming, life. You are yeah. a teacher mom. Yes. Right? Is that how they say it? Teacher mom? Teacher mom, yep. That's what you yeah, that's what you, That's what your life is consumed of. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I'm a big advocate for sports. I was never a sports person. Um, you know, I had a sister. I didn't have any brothers. We just... My dad loved sports, but I didn't care. And... Mm-hmm. Um, Yep. And I've learned that sports is a good way to keep kids in school. Yes. You know, and it's a nice, it's a, it's a motivational technique for kids that, you know, like we talked about earlier that aren't going to college, getting straight A's is not important to them, but you know, getting at least a C or a B to stay on the football team is. It's a motivator. It's a motivator. And so we do a lot with that. My husband's a coach, um, out at, we do Babe Ruth and, um, he's involved in that. Um, but besides sports, most of the things we do is in, inside the school I do because mm-hmm. I like to know, uh, not that I'm discrediting any organization, no, of course not. but I like to know where my efforts are going. Yeah. And so we do, um, there's one of the teachers down the hallway is, is just amazing at this. And, um, and so we'd like to help out kids at our school in our community that need it. Um, so like two years ago, and I would never advise this for most people, but I actually allowed one of the homeless students to live in my house for like nine months. Wow. That's wonderful. Yeah. His, um, his mom called him up and said, I'm going to Tampa. Um, sorry. And just literally just left him. Oh, goodness. Uh, Yeah. He was 17 years old and at the end of the hallway crying because he didn't know what to do. And, um, and so I was like, like, I didn't even give my husband time to think about it. And he still reminds me to this day about that, but <laughs> that I, was your choice. Yeah. Well, that's, that is definitely giving back. I, well, yeah. yeah. So I just went down to the principal and I'm like, he has nowhere to go. And, you know, is for this all, okay? yeah, yeah, for all legal reasons, I'm letting you know right now, like he's, and, uh, we took him in for nine months. He stayed with us. Um, and I just drove him to school every day. I, um, coffee's done. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, you know, we kept him in school and, um, he, he ended up getting a job. 
Um, he worked at Lowe's and now he's actually in firefighting school. So. This is awesome. Yeah. Love it. So yeah. Talk um, about giving back. Okay. Yeah, that's and, this lady takes the kids home no, people. No, well, no, that's not an offer. <laughs> that's a one off. Yeah. Yeah. But that, but yeah. that is really, um, um yeah, that's and, going abo- above and beyond. And you see a lot of that. And, and I know Angel, who, you know, I, I'm not quite sure what she's exposed to at the elementary level, but at the high school level, you can definitely tell um, the kids who aren't getting what they're needed at home. And yeah, if they're I not being, if they're not being fed uh, and they're not being closed yeah. or clothed, they're, they're not really, they don't care. You of course know? they don't. Everything no, else is trivial. That's probably. what their focus is on. They're yeah. hungry or, and we work with an organization, Bags of Hope, that um, helps kids Absolutely. that are in need in this area. And there's a lot of schools that have programs where they have like a little like food pantries or, you know, these little stores that kids can go in and get stuff discreetly when they're, you know, parents are can't provide for or don't, you know, because some don't, but most just can't. And what we've learned from that organization and working with uh, Rhonda and the people there is that. Kids don't, without those basics, they're not going to focus on, they have no, they can't, they can't develop the, uh, they, they can't develop hope. That's why they call it bags of hope, but they can't mm-hmm. develop any of the motivation to learn or to dream or to do anything that's going to make them successful. They're just thinking about food and how yeah. they're going to eat. Or know? where they're going to sleep sometimes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it is. And so the one, like I said, one of the teachers down the hall, she's, she's the mastermind behind all of it. I mean, I just contribute minimal compared to what she does, but, um, you know, we have an entire closet at our high school where, um, and, and kids kind of know now to go to her, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, word gets around, word gets around. And, you know, she would even bring, um, this child before he lived with me and, and I was unaware you know, just bring them all the time. Like, Hey, here's, here's groceries, here's bread. The food pantry. Yeah. And so there's a lot of that going on at the school and that's where I kind of tend to focus a lot of my efforts. Yeah. That's a big effort. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, and donating like, um, we did like fundraisers. So kids that couldn't afford prom tickets could get free prom tickets. Well, Um, we would love to know when you are in need of stuff like that so that we can blast it. Indeed. Absolutely. Um, and I know that around prom time too, there's a lot of organizations that do like donate your old prom dresses mm-hmm. so that they have like an actual store to come in and shop at because yeah. everybody wants to go do that and tickets are for that are expensive usually oh, so yeah. yeah yeah so yeah let us know anytime you guys are in need and Absolutely. we can you know reach out to our little community and blast it out yeah. and try to i run around pick up donations from people taking places that's, that's awesome. kind of we're trying yeah. to be the go-between <laughs> yeah that's what finding dnc is right Indeed. Trying to be the go between to to help as many organizations as, as we can. Well, and it does. It made you know that that child's life changed of when course. he had an opportunity to do something else, and and not that his life was easy afterwards. It definitely wasn't. You know, uh, the family was still there and in contact, and you know he was oftentimes pulled in different directions. Yeah. But you know, ultimately, I think he you know, it gave him an opportunity to make a choice that he didn't have a choice yeah. before. Right. He get that word though, that we talk about hope. It yeah. gave him some yeah. hope for the future that things couldn't be different. Things yeah. don't have to remain. There, there doesn't need to be a cycle. Yeah. Basically you try to break that cycle yeah. and give, give kids hope that, you know, things can, can be different in the future. Indeed. Yeah. Well, Kristen, thank you for sitting and talking thank with you. us. It's been fun and yes. educational. And uh, I learned some history stuff. 
Now I got to go look it up. Yeah. Know, when, you, when you're talking about the biography of Benjamin Franklin, I'm thinking that actually sounds like something that might be fun to just read for the heck of it. It is. Yeah. It's very interesting. In the end, he, he kind of stopped writing. So it's more of like the beginning of his life. Yeah. He was a big writer, right? He was. Yeah. Yes. Early on. See, I knew that. He did. But I'll watch a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And we will be right back with the information station. Hi, this is Bill Files, the upcoming audiobook narrator of Daniel Fox's awesome thriller, In the Dark. And you're listening to It's All Fine and Dangy. Welcome back to the It's All Fine and Dangy podcast. And now it's time for the information station. But before we jump into that, as always, I want to give one more thank you to Kristen Rogers for coming out and meeting with us. Very interesting interview. And I learned a lot, as I always seem to do from these things. I even learned a little history. Yes, and history seems fun to me now. So either I've gone super nerdy, or it's the way she does it, or it's just getting older. Yeah. Or more mature. Let's say more mature. I mean, there are a couple things I want to look up now that, you know, she mentioned a couple things. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to look those things up now. Well, speaking of looking things- I don't know if I'm going to get full-fledged into the history. Deep dive, Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, so I always ask questions around the technology, and I wanted to give a little bit of information around that during the information station. Mm -hmm. And that is that advances in technology have actually helped to bring more understanding about the development of the human brain during the teenage years. And I kind of knew some of this already. Yeah. But the changes that happen during these years are some of the most dramatic with the exception of between like ages two and three, those formative development the terrible years. terrible twos. Talk. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> but think about that. For teenagers, that's when it, it, and I think sometimes teenagers get a bad rap because there's some crazy stuff going on in their bodies. Yeah. And as a, as a parent of teenagers, sometimes you're like, why are they being so whatever, whatever the fill in the blank? Yeah. There's a science behind there it. There is though. a science. Mm-hmm. And more specifically, these changes occur in the prefrontal cortex. That's the area of the brain that's responsible for planning and problem solving and uh, determining risk and social interaction and most importantly, decision making. Ah, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It really does. And it can actually make it difficult for them to read. Huh, I wonder why that is. Did it bring more out about that? I, you know, I don't remember. I was so disappointed to read that part because <laughs> I write. And I, like... Well, I, you know, there wasn't really that much more of it in the page I was reading. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just because of the, you know, reading kind of is a little bit of mini problem solving. Yeah, it, that's true. There's sort of an analysis going on in your brain when you read, and I'm assuming it has something to do with that. So it's also interesting that at a time when you're almost forced to read more than you ever are again in your life, unless you're going on to become like a paralegal or a lawyer or doctor or something like that, it's the time when it's most difficult for you to actually read and focus on it. I know, it's crazy. Sometimes I think our whole schooling setup happens too early because you know Mm -hmm. when you get older, you really are interested in all this stuff? Yes, sir. So, I do. <laughs> I know. I know this. Well, I think it's important for teachers to, you know, keep up to date on any advances in technology made on how the brain works, yeah, especially in whatever age group they're teaching. And I'm sure that most teachers study this kind of information and probably come up with ideas of how they can come 
combat the struggles that their students may be having during those developmental years. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that's part, I'm sure maybe psychology and different studies like that are a part of an educational, getting an education background, getting a background. What am I trying to say? Getting a background education. (laughs) But I think, but I think, you know, as I'm talking about the advances in technology that have helped us to understand that, to your point, I think if now that teachers are reading about these same advances and learning more about how the brain works, then I would say a good teacher is like you're saying, you know, keeping that in mind when they do their syllabus. Implementing things that will help, Yeah, you know, help them with these struggles that they're actually physiologically going through. They don't even know it. Yeah. They don't even know that it's not really their fault. Right. But we blame it on them. <laughs> no, I know we tend to, don't we? But see, that <laughs> brings me teenagers. back to some of the stuff Kristen was saying, though. It's, it's, um, I think it's those kinds of things where they, where a good teacher is sort of tailoring their yeah. lesson plan around making it more interesting, making it more yeah. interactive. You know, she was talking about people that would come back mm-hmm. um, for, you know, the next year or whatever. And, and, um, I think that's a sign that she's doing something right. And that's yeah. that's refreshing and it's encouraging because... They weren't trying to claw their way out of the class. They were actually right. excited to be back in the class. Well, it's encouraging <laughs> to me that there's like, there's, there is, a, it seems to be there's advancements happening. It's nice to hear that it's not exactly the same as it was way back when I was in school. Yeah, You know, in another 20 or 30 years, you know, it's going to be that much further along. One would hope. Yeah, yeah. Well, Hello. Did everyone hear that? Of course they did. It's my reminders I don't have turned <laughs> off like I'm supposed to. Well, you know, I'm going to go more towards the health side of things every time, most of the time, when of I try to do research. Yep. And so we have a teenage, teenage, two teenagers in the house. That's right. One especially does sleep well. <laughs> yes, I saw him on the yeah. video camera at 4.30 oh this morning. Oh my gosh. So sleep plays such a huge role during these years of when their brain's develop, de- developing, when their body is changing. And what I found was you that- You know, Tommy, your body's changing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> what I found was that one study showed that only 8% of teens get the recommended nine hours of sleep per night. That's how much they're recommended. Nine hours? Nine hours. They get half of that. Yeah. They wow. they get under six hours is I think what, what it brought out. But the amount of sleep, it's so important for them to function optim- optimally. Yeah. You know, it's just... Well, for all of us, but especially for, for them. For especially for them. And this was really sad to me. 33% of teenagers between the ages of 12 and 19 had chronic sleep deprivation. Gets worse. 59% had severe sleep deprivation. That is not good. You know, what's probably doing that. Electronics devices. (laughs) Yeah. Son of a gun. You know, and the thing is, you know, especially for them, when you know that they're growing and there's certain things that happen at night when you're sleeping. Okay. Our body does so much while it's resting. One of the huge things that happens is that it releases hormones that help to repair your cells and also to control how your energy is used in your body. Yeah. This is why people that don't sleep well, their, their energy, it's kind of gets mixed up. Let's say that. And that's why a lot of people can gain weight if they're not getting the right, the proper amount of sleep. Right. 
Your body's not working it's, the way it's supposed to. That's right. So it's well known that a lack of sleep can cause other issues as well. Some of the more serious diseases that it's actually linked to are obesity, diabetes, and heart disease, among a slew of other things. Right. Wow. So to see that our young, our, our youth are going through this deprivation of sleep already at such a young age. Yeah. To me, 15 years down the road, that's when those chronic disease, diseases start well, setting in. And it's just so scary to me. That's what I was going to say, you know, talking about like, uh, you know, the, the growth hormone that's released when teenagers are sleeping. It makes me think we don't really even know if it's, it's primarily probably because of electronic devices, smartphones. It's, the, you know, they're they're probably more deprived now than ever. We don't have a generation of adults that have come from this. So we don't know. You were probably right. Yeah. There's probably all kinds of problems adults are going to have in the next generation that mm-hmm. we haven't even seen yet. Yeah. And I think one of my problems or one of the problems I've always had with school is how early high school and middle school kids start. I think middle school kids start a little later now, but I don't think kids should start till like 10 o'clock. Oh, I know, but they can't do it that way because they, the buses are, they share the buses between all the schools. So, you know, know, that's, that's why one of them is really early. One of them's late. It's the same buses. It's all the same drivers, at least for most cities. Yeah, it's crazy. So, it's crazy. It's, it's got to be some kind of fix. You I know? know, and I hate for us to de- end that on such a depressing note, but it does make you want to think if you've got teenagers, I mean, I'm yeah. look, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I kind of just let mine do whatever now that he's graduated. But um, I know, but I say something to him every time. <laughs> he's, but he does seem kind of <laughs> he like avoids he's, me he seems I'm kind like, of worn out all the time. He does. And it's not from, you know, they're not working 40 hours a week. No. So he's working late hours, yeah. and instead of having his free time during the day, he's staying up all night yeah. and sleeping all day. I mean, you know, there's just something to getting in the right amount of rest sleep. at the right amount. It, we have day and night for a reason. Yeah, people. I mean, we're all guilty of it. I mean, we all stay up a little later than we should. But of I, course, maybe this is like the the crotchety old man that I'm becoming, as my kids will joke and say I'm going to be. But when you get start getting older, and I'm closing in on 50 pretty quickly here, you genuinely, I don't feel that much different, but you genuinely get tired yeah. at about 10 o'clock. At about 10 o'clock, you're starting to feel like it should be bedtime Yeah, that's soon. the melatonin, you know, that is being released in your body to yep. let you know it's nighttime, it's time to rest. Your body needs to repair. Indeed. And I didn't want to be all negative, but I think sometimes we have to shock people with like these statistics and sure. numbers so that they can really go, oh, I really, maybe I really need to start looking at that and making a change. Yeah, Because we, we might, we don't see the... um we might not see negative effects from it quickly. Right. But I guarantee you, 10 to 15 years down the road. We will. We are going to, your, your children are going to suffer. So, yeah. and, and we're going to suffer if we don't take care of ourselves. So. Well, on that note, it's 936, so I got to go to bed soon. <laughs> Bedtime in 24 minutes, buddy. <laughs> Oh, All right. Goodness. Well, also don't forget that our contest is still going on, guys. Please help us support Alex's Lemonade Stand and the Golden Warrior Festival for the upcoming month of September. The contest rules again. Go to alexslemonade.org. Is it Alex's Lemonade yes. or Alex's Lemonade Stand? Just alexslemonade.org. Yeah, go to alexslemonade.org. Hit the donate button, donate whatever you can, a dollar, five dollars, ten thousand dollars, whatever fits in your budget 
Take a screenshot of your receipt, which they have a button for your receipt right there. Send it to feedback at findandangie.com and you are entered to win a prize. We've got a lot of good prizes and we don't have that many entries to be completely candid with you. So it's looking like pretty much everyone that enters so far is going to be getting a prize. Yeah, so take advantage of those like. odds and yeah. uh, and please enter. And also on the website... Um, I'm going to post a picture of the sign that my friend Mindy helped to, to design for helping to turn a Popka gold. That's for the Golden Warrior Festival. All proceeds for that. It's a yard sign because the ribbon thing, I know I told everybody we're going to do a ribbon on the door. It just wasn't working out. I got it's, you. I'm sorry. I'm not that crafty. I don't know what it is. I couldn't find big enough ribbon. So we came up with a different idea. So we're going to do the yard signs. It's more visible anyway. They're very nicely designed. Um, Mindy did a really great job. And we're going to have an option where we can actually add a piece of gold ribbon to it so that you can hang it on your door if you want it on your door instead with like a little suction cup. Oh, nice. So we would like a minimum donation of $15 for those to cover the cost of them and then the rest going to Alex's lemonade stand and um, message us if you're interested we will be hitting the streets to be selling those soon that's right that's awesome and then again so you're gonna have a picture on the website of it as people can Mm -hmm. go see it so that's fineanddangy.com to go check that out and we want to hear from you Call us at 407-490-3899 or email us at feedback and find a dangy. That's the same email address as the contest. If you just want to email us or call us and tell us your thoughts, your issues, what you're going through, what you think about the show, you have any questions or suggestions, or maybe you just want to say hi. And that wraps. Yeah, don't forget our hashtags. If you happen to hang a gold ribbon up or, you know, are supporting childhood cancer awareness month i got it out <laughs> um make sure to include that hashtag turn a popka gold get it trending yes and then also it's our month of teachers so tell us a story about your favorite teacher post something about them do a hashtag month of teachers and always our hashtag help more people that's when you're right. out in the community helping indeed and don't forget at the end of the day it's, it's all, all fine and dangy. Yeah. I'm trying to make you nuts. I don't know how many things that. You're not gonna go back and do it I don't again. know. We'll see. But it's funny because you go. I wish I could. That's right, my name. <laughs>